Back to throw, looking, deep pattern, downfield, touchdown Miami! What a throw, Devontae Parker! Holy smokes, what a drive! What is up, Dolph fans, and welcome to the Drive Time Podcast, part of the Miami Dolphins official podcast network covering your team, your Miami Dolphins, each and every day. How's it going, everybody? It is Tuesday. I am your host, Travis Wingfield, and I'm here to bring you your daily dose of Miami Dolphins football. And on today's show, stats, snap counts, advanced metrics, team rankings, all 22 review, and coordinators and assistants speaking on this Tuesday edition of Drive Time. It's my favorite show of the week, your favorite show of the week. Let's go ahead and jump right in to all of that and more on this Tuesday, December the 1st edition of the Drive Time Podcast. That's another Miami Dolphins. And Drive Time is brought to you by AutoNation. Hey, Dolphins fans, the new year starts now at AutoNation. Let's skip the rest of 2020 and get to big New Year savings on your favorite AutoNation Chevys, Fords, Toyotas, Hondas, and more. Shop safely at the AutoNation store near you or AutoNation.com and save right now. And as we do weekly here on the Tuesday edition of Drive Time, we first start with where Miami ranks offensively, defensively in some of the most important categories. After 12 weeks of play, 11 games in the books, the NFL season heads to its final month in December, heading into the 12th and final month of the year, the fourth and final month of the regular season. There's a game in January, but December still counts for most of the remaining games. Here is where your Dolphins rank offensively. Miami's 25.8 points per game are 15th most in the NFL. 311.9 yards is 30th. 95.3 yards on the ground is 30th. 216.6 yards through the air per game is 25th in the NFL. Miami have allowed 24 sacks. That's right in the middle, tied for 16th. And their third down offense at 40.4% conversion is 21st in the NFL. Defensively, some good ranks here. 18.6 points per game allowed. That's second in the NFL. 369.9 yards of total defense allowed per game. That's 20th in the NFL. 129.9 yards on the ground is 26th. 239.7 through the air is 17th. Miami has 25 sacks this year. That's tied for 14th. Their 19 takeaways are third most, and their 32.8% third down conversion rate by the opposition is number one in the National Football League. And also from the inside the numbers piece up on MiamiDolphins.com, taking a look at all the snap counts and stats and direct advanced metrics from this game. We also have this. The Dolphins allowed just 10 first downs to the Jets on Sunday and 260 total yards. The 10 first downs was the second fewest by a team in the NFL in a single game this season. Miami retains their plus 81 point differential in the first halves of games, the best in the NFL. They're allowing 9.5 points per game on defense in first halves. That's the third lowest mark. And offensively, the Dolphins are averaging 16.9 points per game in the first half of games. That is the fifth best in the National Football League. And the Dolphins continue to get things done in special teams and in the penalty yardage, as well as fouls committed. Those small details add up so much. Miami maintains their spot atop football outsiders special teams DVOA statistics defensive value over adjusted with the number one special teams in the all of football and wide receiver Jakeem Grant leads the NFL minimum 10 returns with 13.9 yards per punt return he's also the only player with more than 300 punt return yards on the season he's got 319 we talked about
about Jason Sanders' insane stats on the Sunday Recap Podcast. His 85.7% field goal percentage from 50-plus yards is the best in the NFL since at least 1991, minimum 10 attempts. And he also has the best field goal percentage at 86.7 in franchise history. Matt Hawk is 8th in net punting average, 42.6 yards. His 19 punts downed inside the 20-yard line are tied for the 4th most in the NFL. And Miami's 49 penalties and 410 penalty yardage assessed against them are both third fewest in the National Football League. Snap counts on the offensive side of the football. Quarterback Ryan Fitzpatrick played the entire game. So too did Miami starting five offensive linemen, Austin Jackson, Eric Flowers, Ted Karras, Jesse Davis, and Robert Hunt. Adam Pankey joined them for four snaps in heavy packages. At the skill positions, DeAndre Washington leads the way. He gets about half the workload at 34 snaps. That's 48%. Matt Breida plays 23. Patrick Laird plays 10. And a wide receiver, listen to some of these numbers, Devontae Parker almost never left the field. He played 94% of the snaps at 67 reps in the game. Mac Hollins was number two with 47 reps. Jakeem Grant played 24. Lynn Bowden Jr. played 22. Antonio Callaway, 13. And Malcolm Perry, who of course left the game with that chest injury, played just six. At tight end, Mike Gesicki played 50 snaps. Durham Smythe played 30. And Adam Shaheen played 25 in the game. Fitzpatrick did most of his damage when not under duress. He was 16 for 24 with 151 yards and threw both of his touchdown passes when the Dolphins offensive line kept him clean in this game. And speaking of the offensive line, the interior continues to get the job done in pass protection. Ted Karras and Eric Flowers combined for just three pressures allowed. That gives that pairing a combined 23 pressures allowed on 848 combined pass blocking snaps this season. Neither guy has missed a rep. That's a 2% pressure rate among your left guard and center and also Robert Hunt joined the party with just one hurry allowed in the game he also earned PFF's top run blocking grade among all Dolphins offensive linemen at the skill spots Devontae Parker his 10th 100 yard receiving game that's six of his last 18 games with over 100 yards his 4061 receiving yards surpassed Jarvis Landry for eighth most in team history and tight end Mike Gesicki has eight touchdowns in his last 17 games that's tied for fourth most among all NFL tight ends since week 13 of last season and his 15 yards per reception is best among all tight ends minimum 15 receptions On the other side of the football, the snap counts go as follows. The defensive tackles, Christian Wilkins leads the way with 42 snaps. That's good for 82% of the overall reps. And the Dolphins only played 55 snaps in this game, the lowest for the defense this season. Good job by the offense converting on half of their third downs, 8 for 16, but also obviously to the Miami Dolphins defense for getting them off the field, helping keep them fresh in this game and attacking Cincinnati Bengals next week with hopefully a fresher defense. Raekwon Davis played 33 snaps. That's 60%. And Zach Sealer played 20, that's 36%. Off the edge, Emmanuel Ogbaugh leads the way with 39 snaps. Shaq Lawson played 34, and Jason Strobridge had four in this particular game. At linebacker, Kyle Van Noy did not leave the field, played all 55 snaps. Jerome Baker, after playing 30% last week, roughly, was up to 78% this week with 43 snaps. His role is ever-changing, and man, he produces in so many ways for this football team. Andrew Van Ginkle played 29 snaps in the game. Landon Roberts played 18, and he also had three run stops on those 18 run uh, on 13 rundowns I should say so he was contributing big time when he was out there against the run cornerback Byron Jones played 55 snaps so too did Xavier Howard Nick Needham was next with 44 reps and the Dolphins played four safeties McCain played every rep 
Eric Rowe played 52 snaps, Brandon Jones had 23, and Clayton Fedulum played one snap in the game. And Xavier Howard matched his career high with his seventh interception of the season. We talked about it on Sunday. He joined Sam Madison, Dick Anderson, and Jake Scott as the only players in team history with multiple seven interception seasons with the Miami Dolphins. They also tried Xavier Howard in this game 10 times. He allowed three completions, 37 yards, had an interception, a pass breakup, and a passer rating of 2.9 in the game. Howard also made three tackles and one run stop. Those are tackles within two yards of the line of scrimmage. His passer rating against this season is just 50.3. That's best among cornerbacks with at least 50 targets this year per PFF. Nick Needham gets his first interception of the season, third of his career. He also made five tackles with two checking in as run stops. Safety Eric Rowe allowed just three yards receiving in the game, and all three of his tackles came on run plays within two yards of the LOS. Those are run stops. Bobby McCain pretty much had zeros across the board because he was good in coverage back there. Didn't target him. He also didn't come up and make any tackles because the Dolphins were so stout up front. Like we talked about, 15 of 23 run plays going for three yards or less, helping Miami tee off on those second down and third down and long. Linebacker Jerome Baker had two pressures and a half sack. Three of his five tackles were run stops. He also allowed just 13 yards receiving on five pass targets. We saw that play out into the flat where he broke down and got the running back down short of the sticks. Good work again by Jerome Baker. And how about Emmanuel Ogba? Leads the team again with five pressures in this game. He now has 46 on the season. That's tied for the fifth most in the NFL. His eight sacks are tied for seventh. And his 22 run stops are tied for 13th among all edge defenders per PFF. Linebacker Kyle Van Noy had four quarterback pressures and a half sack. Three of his five tackles were run stops. Elandon Roberts, we talked about him. 13 rundowns and makes three tackles within two yards of the line, including that fourth and one stick in the backfield for a TFL. And Raekwon Davis and Christian Wilkins both had three run stops and Zach Sealer had two. So the three of those guys up front, eight run stops combined, helping Miami get, get off the field early and often in this game against the Jets. And so offensively for your Miami Dolphins, first a couple of notes on just some general ideas and, and, and plans. The Dolphins on the very first third down conversion of this game came out unbalanced. That's where you move a tackle to the opposite side of the line of scrimmage and you use a tight end like in this instance it was Adam Shaheen as the replacement left tackle. Austin Jackson comes over to the right side. They convert that for a first down. Like the way there's a little bit of creativity there in short yardage. An area where I'm sure Coach Flores and the offensive staff would like to get more conversions on those short down attempts, on those short yardage attempts, I should say, and they do it here to start the game. Later in the game, they have a first down pass to Mac Hollins, where I like the way the structure of the play creates space for Mac Hollins on a slant route. It's a fly sweep that vacates a cornerback off the side of the football they want to go to. Then you have RPO inside, which forces a linebacker down to close on that play. RPO is all about putting guys in conflict. That's the sport of football, putting players in conflict. Your conflict player, make him go one direction or the other. Make him choose. Dolphins did that on this play in the RPO to get a nice first down rip to Mac Hollins. And just in general, the RPO game was cranking early in this one. Pretty much the only pass calls they had in the first drive was a lot of that RPO look. So you see the Dolphins getting better in that area, growing in that area. Offensive line kind of learning the, the ropes of that RPO game and, and putting it to use here late in the season for the Dolphins. Some individual notes, Austin Jackson, 
I thought he had some really good bounce-back reps early in the game, showing some good work against pass protection. There was a bull rush early on where he kept his feet active through the contact. That's a great sign to watch the way he keeps those feet moving and keeps himself in position to anchor and recover against those power rushes. Had some just great reps early on in pass protection in general. Had a good powerful punch on a few of those reps. I also picked up a, a play early in the game where they passed off a stunt on second down. He picks up Quinn Williams, who crashes outside with an upfield power move, and I thought they made a lot of progress early in this game, picking up those stunts compared to last week in Denver and blocking Quinn Williams. This guy was dominant throughout the course of the game. So Austin Jackson gets a nice rep on him. Robert Hunt, I thought on the other side, had some nice protection plays as well in pass pro. There was an incomplete third down. The Jets kind of run a delayed blitz where the linebacker loops around from the inside and comes outside and he sees it, finds it, picks it up, handles it perfectly and gets a nice pocket there for Ryan Fitzpatrick. Eric Flowers in space, I thought was good in this game. Play, he pulled play side for a nice wipeout on a Matt Breida run for a first down early in the game. He corners and seals well on those pulling plays and then later on a screen hits enough of a defensive back to influence his his movement on the play and then gets to the next level and looks for additional work he is consistent in that regard and staying on the offensive line speaking of getting out in space I just love watching Ted Karras on tape for this reason every single week a six-yard screen pass to DeAndre Washington he stands up and throws the initial man out of the club and that's after you kind of invite the defenders the, the defensive lineman upfield you invite them upfield and then toss them out of the way And at best, you hope to get him a step or two off their track. But he throws the guy on the ground, then gets upfield and buries number 32, the safety, at the second level. And then just the way he, in general, hits double teams, the catch and climb. You catch onto that first double team block, climb to the second level. It's the same thing we see on screens. He's got a strong upper half where he can really chip and turn and toss like on the tossing out of the club from the previous play. I'm just picturing Ted. He talked about his summer workouts in his garage. Maybe he's baling hay. Is that a term? Hurling hay on a farm somewhere, just throwing hay up over the top of the rest of a hay pile and gathering that upper body strength and that kind of twist and turn strength. And I even dropped a good old Ric Flair on one of his blocks later in the game where he gets downfield on a screen pass. Speaking of DeAndre Washington, some nice shake, some nice wiggle in the open field. Thought he had a good feel for leverage on some blocks on the screen passes that he converted on. He catches back-to-back passes and moves the chains as a pass catcher on those. The very next play after those two catches, picks up 32 on a nice blitz pickup and pass protection. And then he closes things up, or at least has a nice run in the fourth quarter, a 16-yard rip with a little hop step to get outside. You just see the explosion step there from DeAndre Washington. Staying at the skill player spots, Mike Gasicki. We heard Josh Grizzard talk about brotherhood routes on the podcast last week, talking about guys that do things to set up other receivers to make plays. There was a play earlier in the game where Mac Hollins does it, where he kind of takes an outside release and slow delays that release so the cornerback doesn't want to get inside quickly before he breaks it off inside and it creates space for him that way. There's a nice play later on in the game where Gasicki takes an inside release and creates some space on Durham Smythe's third catch of the game. And he talked post-game about running through con contact and, and finding different ways to vary the releases. thought we, sh- we saw it on this play as well to create space for his best friend, Durham Smythe, for a reception. On his corner route, a third down and short conversion early in the game, Jakeem runs another great route, a brotherhood route, that pulls the corner down to the flat and creates that space for Mike. A very nice anticipation rip there from Ryan Fitzpatrick to Gasicki, who shows strong hands and plucks that thing for a first down. Did the exact same thing a few drives later on a touchdown catch. Beats him twice, really, on this play, where he runs through the route initially, gets on top of him, and then has to come over the top and rebound the football off his helmet. 
Just excellent, excellent work there from tight end Mike Gasicki. And then on a third and 16, he turns a linebacker around in the middle of the field. Nice little outside release, crosses face and gets those hips open and gets himself open. But the pressure got to Fitzpatrick just as he went to through went to throw and they couldn't quite connect on the play so thought Mike Kosicki had a good game I thought uh, Devontae Parker had a huge game just catching multiple routes square ends slants open on a couple of drag plays back shoulders comebacks they had double coverage on a back shoulder pass the reception after the one that was reviewed and stood that stood up there they roll a safety over the top to Devontae Parker but he still makes the catch I talked about this on the podcast on Sunday night or possibly last week where a number one receiver needs to be able to beat double coverage and catch balls on third down and catch passes in the red zone when everyone knows the football is coming to them. thought Parker did that throughout the course of this game. And a lot of these catches are such tight window throws and he's not only catching the football, he's ripping off big runs afterwards. He really just played within himself well there. A guy that does so well in contested catches, and it was fun to watch. A big-time step-up game for Devontae Parker, and we later saw him hit a comeback route for a first down on second and 10, once again with safety coverage rolling over the top, so he has to find a way back down because you're not going to get vertical with that safety help. This is right after the Nick Needham interception. Works back down the stem, catches it for 25 yards with pressure bearing down on Fitzpatrick, who did a great job to get the ball out, and Parker had to uncover and win because at that point in the play with the pressure, he was really the only option in the play, and he makes a big one and then finally catching another back shoulder in the fourth that helped Miami keep the clock moving with a 10-point lead just such a crucial element of this game those back shoulder throws and making those contested catches they needed him in this game and I thought he stepped up really big that way at receiver as well Jakeem Grant the separation he created on a first down conversion that he had in this game just a hop step to kind of create some space between he and the defender and it really shows you how much they feared that deep speed because once he kind of throttles down they're kind of thinking about the double move and they take a couple of steps back and get more depth he can really threaten those guys at the top of the stem and snap that thing off and I think there's some more meat on the bone here as far as Jakeem in the passing game. It looks like, you know, several times he's creating some separation in the game. And just for whatever reason, they haven't been able to connect on those. But there's so many instances, some isolation opportunities where he's so far behind the defender that the defender has to get on his tail and get upfield. And then you can either throw the deep ball, throw the vertical ball, go back shoulder, intentionally underthrow it. And you might get a defensive pass interference like the Dolphins did in this game late in the fourth quarter to really help them put it away with the Adam Shaheen touchdown reception. So just offensively and and as a team as a whole, I think there are so many reps from these young guys you're seeing every game that are encouraging, like it's good feet from the offensive line, good hand placement, good blitz pickup by running backs and stuff like that good routes from the receivers, working hard for each other to get each other open. I just, I think there's a good opportunity here for a lot of these guys. And that's, that's the vision, right? You don't draft a player for the, for their first year production at all. You draft players to develop and grow them. Like we saw with Devonte Parker and Mike Kosicki now in year three and year five, uh, six, respectively for those two players, they developed and grew here. I think the other guys on this team can as well. Let's go ahead and turn this over to the defensive side of the film. A little more enjoyable watch on defense. Three points allowed, 10 first downs, 260 yards. The second-ranked scoring defense, the first-ranked third-down defense. And I really enjoyed watching this Dolphins all 22 from the three points allowed against the New York Jets. Now three points in two games this season against Gang Green. And first off the block, the very first play of the game, Raekwon Davis gets immediate knockback and bubble. And he did this pretty much consistently throughout the game. Thought he set good picks as a pass rusher and freeing guys up to loop inside and make plays that way. He also got some penetration himself. Just consistent disruption from Raekwon Davis. Same thing was true of Zach Sealer. I mean, 
Early on, the Jets pull the tackle and try to seal him with a tight end, and he just takes him back into the lap of the running back, and then 43-98, and clean it up from there, Raekwon and Van Ginkle. A lot of times, I just love seeing defensive linemen get that knockback and disrupting the play in some form or fashion, but he was getting off blocks and making plays in this game. More good stuff from the man with the new contract. He later comes back and disrupts the pocket from the three technique by working upfield, splits the guard and tackle. The very next play, he walks the guard back in to the running back and Van Noy closes the play down on the backside. The first play of the second half, he splits a double team and overpowers the tackle for a tackle, a stop right at the line. It's really impressive how many times he flashed in this game. What was it four or five there with just 20 snaps? Big impact plays again from Zach Sealer. Christian Wilkins had a very good game as well. Held double teams really well throughout the course of the game, I thought. You watch the way he has such a strong base and low center of gravity because of that flexibility he offers. He's stout and flexible with a really nice burst off the snap, and that kind of allows him to make to win immediately off the snap for some of those impact plays. He teamed up with Elandon Roberts for a run stuff in the third quarter doing just this. He also plays rundowns to the backside of the formation, chasing him across the formation by following the block to the football, then disengaging. He does this pretty regularly too. I thought he did that well on a certain solo tackle in the third quarter up against Frank Gore. And then Emmanuel Ogba, this guy makes impacts every single week. And early in the game, he takes the right tackle right into Darnold's lap on third and six. It draws a hold. And the start of the next series, he draws a tight end and works over the block, comes back inside to outside and gets a run stuff as well. You'll hear his name throughout the course of some of these big plays in this podcast. I thought Shaq Lawson had control of the edge throughout the course of the game, immovable at times. I thought Miami had really good edge run defense throughout the course of this game from Lawson, from Van Noy, Van Ginkle, and uh, Emmanuel. Ogba as well. I thought Jerome Baker again played well in space on routes both in the hook or the flat whether he's in the middle of the field or out wide he finds a way to get in that hip pocket and either prevent the catch or get the the uh, pass catcher down quickly after he makes the reception. I thought you really saw his ability to smoothly transition in this game open up drop come forward. It's a nice pairing with his blitzing capabilities and we saw the speed again later in the game when he stopped Ty Johnson in the open field on a flare route where he just follows him all the way across the formation to the wide side of the field and gets him down short of the sticks on third down. Jerome Baker's speed pays dividends often. And Kyle Van Noy, stop me if you've heard this before, like you've heard about Baker's speed. I just love watching Kyle Van Noy do his job down in and down out. 100% snap taker in this game. There's a first and 10. And the Jets are at the Dolphins' plus 18-yard line, and they pull the backside guard as the tight end, who's kind of up over Van Noy's inside shoulder, he tries to get to the second level for a reach block on Elandon Roberts and get across his face, and Van Noy sees the guard come across the formation and just with absolute force stops him right in his tracks. It forces the running back to cut up inside because otherwise he has to bubble deep in the backfield, and then you get pursuit there, and it allows a gap to open up for Elandon Roberts, who comes in there and occupies it, knifing inside and making makes a tackle for a one-yard gain. It's just good football all around from Van Noy, Roberts, Raekwon Davis was there, Zach Sealer, Jerome Baker, I put all at the party, 98, 92, and 55. Team football making big plays for this Dolphins defense. Van Noy also had a pass rush where he was able to get under the pads of the tackle and just power his way to the quarterback. It forced Darnold to escape the pocket as he did throughout the course of this game with good schemed up pressure. And on his half sack for Van Noy, he gets there with Raekwon Davis because both Raekwon and Ogba set nice little picks for him to work upfield and then loop over the top and come inside on the quarterback. Both he and Raekwon greet each other at Darnold. Then a few plays later on the fourth and one stop, that was where Roberts just squares up in the hole with Frank Gore exactly 
on just exactly squares him up how you want to do it. An explosive game-changing play. In the first play of the next series, he then beats a blitz from the running back to pick up a half sack along with Jerome Baker in the Jets' backfield as well. Staying at linebacker, Andrew Van Ginkle, I tweeted out about the play where he tripped up Frank Gore. And I mean, the gangster is basically in what you would look at as like a simulated Oklahoma drill. You've got a guard pulling with a running back in tow. So he has to get around that block and find a way to get to the running back. And he undercuts that block and sells out to just get a piece of Gore's ankle, who's basically full throttle for that gap. Because if he hits it hard, there's a one-on-one chance there with he and Bobby McCain, who's been terrific on those open field tackles at the second level when backs break through this season. We saw it many, many times in previous games, but Van Ginkle makes it irrelevant and just gets him down. An awesome, awesome play. And then shortly after that, he uses the same dip and angle to kind of get around that corner for a shot at a sack, but the tackle snatches the inside of that collarbone on the front side of the jersey, and it's an easy holding call for the official. 10 yards, push him back. Speaking of Bobby, the open field tackling, he also just caps off so much stuff deep for opposing offenses like he did in this game, and it forces Darnold to kind of go through multiple looks and hold the football for a little bit. It's been such a consistent element of this team this year with him playing a lot of middle of the field stuff and playing the deep part of the field. He's so consistent there in that tackling. It's been fun to watch his transition into that safety role. Byron Jones, Xavier Howard. I just, I've got so many notes here on these guys. They are so good. I, I talked about them last week, mirroring and running takeoff routes upfield with receivers. Saw the same thing here on a couple of deep incomplete shots. First intended for Brashad Perriman on Jones. They're just both in the hip pockets of their guys on either side of the field. It looks like it's a mirror while they're in mirror coverage. Like they're trying to run the exact same route as the receiver. And you see X undercut this little curl route. And it really just shows you how he's able to make so many big plays. He so often positions himself in between the quarterback and the wide receiver at the catch point. It's just, it's uncanny how often that happens. And the way these two guys work with their safety help is just a lot of fun to watch. It's like watching foosball almost. One one guy moves, they all move. There's a third and seven incompletion where they try to get Xavier in a bit of conflict where they run around underneath him and over the top of him. And he just carries it long enough until Eric Rowe comes over and closes the thing off. And by the time the football gets there, they're both in good shape up high and down low. There's a third and four take off route with Denzel Mims where Xavier Howard, I'll talk about him individually here a little bit, where he just pins Mims to the sideline and Darnold breaks contain and tries to get him coming back down the sideline, but X is right there to force him out at the catch point, push him out of bounds. I'm talking about four to five seconds there of blanket coverage. It's just, it's crazy how how much, how long he can cover for and, and have good coverage for extended periods of time when these quarterbacks break the pocket. On the next drive, they try an over route with him giving outside leverage, which, which is free inside access for the receiver, and he undercuts the route. And if this pass is flat, it's got a good chance to get his hands on it. But Donald does a good job on this particular play to put it high and away. It's just in a tough spot, so Perryman can't quite get to it. It creates both... Xavier Howard doing this creates both a small window and a chance for a game-changing play. And it's like Byron Jones said, this freaking guy, he gets his hands on the takeoff route later in the game. And it's the exact same thing. He creates the small window. And if the ball is off by just a little bit, he's in position to get his hands on the football. And this time he's got it, but you watch the slow-mo replay. Perriman actually pokes it out of X's hands when he lifts his hands up to try to catch the ball. Otherwise, he might've made the catch on that one too. Then you see McCain come over and just clean it up with a perfect hit for good measure. Talking about that communication and timing between the cornerback and safety play. Later in the game, X literally stacks Mims on a deep ball like a receiver would do to a cornerback, runs the route and gets on top and stacks him so he can't get over the top to make the play. And so all Mims can do to prevent another possible interception is jump on his back and get that OPI. Then he punches one out where it looks like Perriman might catch a 44-yard touchdown on a post. 
And then finally, he finishes it off, this time by doing the exact same thing, getting undercut on a little flat throw underneath for his seven interception. He puts himself in position four or five times throughout the course of this game and just finally got one paid off there at the end. But this was one of my favorite cornerback tapes I've watched in quite some time. He played really, really good in this game. And just the secondary in general had so many plays where everything was just blanketed. There was nowhere to go. Byron Jones had nice disruption on a pair of over routes. Then there was that 27-yard completion to Perriman where I thought he was in good shape, did most the, everything right on that play, was in the hip pocket of the receiver, gets his head around early. You see him snap early on the tape, but the ball is a little bit underthrown and Perriman's able to adjust. And that's something Byron's talked about working on locating the football a lot this year. And I think he showed you a little bit of that growth on that play, getting his head around so quickly. Nick Needham got a big interception in this game. A great example of just plastering downfield. The quarterback breaks the pocket and Needham finds a guy, walls him off, and Donald throws one direction. The receiver breaks the other and Needham's right there to find the football and collect for his first pick of the year. Very nice play. Finally, Brandon Jones, the very first drive of the game. We talked about this on the Sunday podcast because I thought it was such a good example of how this team makes plays and finds different guys to make plays and gets pressure in different ways. On this play, again, Dolphins just blanket every option in the secondary with guys sitting on routes while the pressure arrives and the offensive line kind of fans out to block the Dolphins' wide rush going upfield and from 0 to 60 in a flash comes Brandon Jones. You just, you can't really tell that he's coming because he's just kind of standing off the football and not showing pressure in that A-gap, but once the ball is snapped like a bullet, he's out of that stance and squares up a shot on the quarterback and also Emmanuel Ogba comes clean splitting the guard and tackle on that play too. So just... More of the same, man. Like Flores said, Josh Boyer doesn't get enough credit. Great called game. Good mix of everything, fronts and coverage-wise. And it doesn't hurt when you get great play from those cornerbacks. That secondary communications on top of things. McCain and Rowe doing their work consistently. Guys like Kyle Van Noy making plays and, and doing his assignment, play in and play out, not leaving the field. Multiple contributing linebackers and defensive linemen. It's just been fun to watch this defense kind of come together and grow. And they're playing good football. And we'll see if they can continue it next week against the Bengals and into December and finish off the season strong that way as well. All right, let's go ahead and get to coordinators and assistant coaches media from Tuesday here, December the 1st, the first episode of December on Drive Time. Let's go ahead and start with Dolphins defensive coordinator Josh Boyer, who first was asked about what is it that makes Xavier Howard the cornerback that he is? I would say that uh, he he's really put in, uh, you know, I would say consistently some good all-around performances from um, – a run game standpoint, a pass game standpoint, uh, as far as his technique at the line of scrimmage, his leverage and pass coverage, uh, his, his technique at the top of the route, uh, I would say in the run game, um, you know, making sure that he leverages the ball, being able to crack replace. I mean, really becoming a complete corner, um, you know, and doing it very consistently for, for a long period of time. And it, it's getting better. And he's working hard at it. That's a credit to him. Um, you know, and I, and I don't know our guys in the secondary, uh, you know, Charles Burks and uh, GA, you know, they, they, they work, you know, extensively with those guys. And, and Xavier's put in a lot of work. And, you know, and I think the good thing about Xavier, he knows, you know, it's a week-to-week league. So he's got to put in that work each week. And he's striving for improvement. And, uh you know, it's really credit to him and his work ethic that, uh, I mean, we're, we're seeing strides on a week-in and week-out basis. 
and Coach Next answered a question about the growth of so many young players and what makes this team full of all these young players, whether it's Zach Sealer, Nick Needham, Brandon Jones, Raekwon Davis, all these young players in the defense making strides. What makes this young defense so hungry and able to improve throughout the course of the season? I'd, I'd say it's a credit to them and their work ethic, um, you know, and, and their consistency of coming in and striving to be better. Um, you know, um, the, and again, I mean, we preach this, and I know it sounds like a broken record. It's like things, they don't stay the same. I mean, you, you either get better or you get worse. And, you know, I mean, you may hit some bumps in the road, but at the end of the day, the, the foundation, you know, it's, it's like anything else in life. Uh, you know, it's your profession. It's your craft. If, if you don't practice it, you don't work at it, your skill sets will diminish. And um, I would say, you know, a lot of our guys, they put in – you know, a lot of extra work or there's a lot of guys, you know, um, that, uh, maybe not playing, but, you know, you can see the improvement in practice and, um, you know, and we really push that with everybody. Um, you know, and I would, I would say it's the same for the coaches. You know, we, we try to get better from week to week. And like I said, sometimes you have bumps in the road here and there, but I think it's the process of, uh, constantly striving for improvement. Let's go ahead and hear next from Coach Danny Crossman of the special teams. And this group just gets better every single week. They are ranked one and two across so many metrics on so many different sites or whatever you want to call it. Special teams getting the job done. One area is winning the kickoff coverage. I asked Coach how the decisions to kick off consistently short of the goal line and force returns and get those tackles down inside the 25-yard line and that confidence to win the hidden yardage battle. Here's Coach on that. You know, we look at on a week-to-week, game-to-game basis uh, based on our opponent based on other situations once we truly get into the game. Uh, but we feel good about Jason. We feel good about uh, the coverage guys. So th- there's a lot of things that go into it. But, to, you know, to be able to uh, have some of that ability uh, to, to maybe, for lack of a better term, dictate uh, what's going on is, is something that, that Flo talks about. And I'm sure you guys have heard it from him time and time again. Uh, but that's a, an advantage we try and take advantage of. It was short and sweet with Dolphins offensive coordinator Chan Gailey, who answered a question about Tua pre and post game and his feelings about not being able to play on Sunday in the game against the Jets. I think we kind of all realize how competitive he is, and um, I'm, you know, I, I didn't really get a chance to talk to him, uh, you know, after the game about how he felt, but uh, just knowing him. I know it, it really uh, – he wanted to play. Uh, so, uh, I, I, I don't know uh, till we get, you know, back in the office Wednesday uh, exactly what the, the status is. But, uh, you know, I, I know he's he's working hard to get ready. He's a tough guy. Let's keep it rolling here with Dolphins running backs coach Eric Studisville, who I asked a question about DeAndre Washington and his ability to get himself into a position where he was kind of the lead back in that fourth quarter, getting those first downs and extending drives and catching passes. Here's coach Studisville on DeAndre Washington's work ethic, easy for me to say, since he arrived. Well, I, I think there's a couple things that are that are worth noting regarding DeAndre. I think the first one is this is a passionate guy who prepares – he came in to learn this offense. He did a great job of working. That's that's what you see manifested in his performance was the amount of work and time and effort that he put in to, to give himself a chance to go out there. And then as all, all players, I think, do and coaches as well, we, we just want an opportunity to showcase what we can do. 
And he was waiting for that time, and he was prepared for that opportunity when it came forward. And uh, I think that's a it's a credit to him and who he is, his work ethic, his preparation, um, and, and truly his patience for his time and opportunity that he was ready for it when it came up. Let's go ahead and hear from Coach Marshall along the offensive line who talked about the growth and fundamentals and development of young offensive line and how it's really the same for this Dolphins team for young guys as it is for the veterans in that development. As we as we do every week up front, you know, win, lose, or draw, the fundamental part of, of playing in the National Football League is utmost, uh, especially where, especially at the tackle position, you know, some guys are talented enough inside to kind of do what they need to do to get the job done. But out there, when you're going every week against uh, very, very, you know, the top of the line rushers to 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 that side, it's fundamentals. It's bending your knees. It's the same same scenario every week, and and how we get get those done. And that's that's with Austin is no different than than Rob or. You know, Eric Flowers, for that matter, you know, the young players that we have keep getting, keep doing the fundamental thing, learning something new every week. Uh, you know, am I in balance? Uh, you know, is my, am I, my hands in the right spot? Each and every week, uh, my game plan going in every week against Pacific Rushers. Uh, all that is something to work on every single week. Let's go ahead and hear from Dolphins receivers coach Josh Grizzard, who talked about Devontae Parker. I had a question for coach about Devontae's demeanor and temperament, but first we're going to start off with the idea of playing man coverage and getting matchups in that man scheme for Devontae Parker. Here's coach Grizzard on when teams do go man coverage against Devontae, they like that matchup. Do we, we like that matchup um, from week to week, it changes on, is it going to be a man scheme? Is it going to be a press man scheme? Is it going to be a zone scheme where you got to find the, the voided area? But uh, yeah, we, we, we loved him matched up and we got all the confidence in the world in him. It was great to see that we not had a, a, a big game on, on Sunday, but uh, that's always a matchup that we're going to try to take advantage. And I believe I played the sound for you guys on the Sunday recap podcast where Mike Gasicki talked about him going crazy after a catch and Devontae just kind of shaking the head quietly and doing his thing. I wanted to ask Coach Grizzard about that temperament for Parker and the juice it gives to the rest of the team when he has that kind of quiet confidence. Here's Coach on Parker's temperament. I think with the, the head shake and all that is, is what you get. I mean, he doesn't he doesn't say a ton, but um, when he does say something and, and voices his opinion, you know that it's coming from um, something he truly believes in. So uh, whatever his reaction to, to having the success and going out there and just shaking his head and having it again the next play is is what we're looking for. And I think that when guys see that kind of reaction from him, it gives juice to the rest of the unit. It could be the running backs, tight ends. And then I think the old line sees it. I mean, they're in there protecting for, um, you know, whoever's throwing it to get him the ball. So it's a collective effort and they see it and spark some juice for the next play. And let's go ahead and finish this thing up with one of my favorite coaches to talk to, tight ends coach George Godsey. And we'll go ahead and get an answer from him here on the growth of Mike Gasicki. And I talked about this again on the Sunday podcast with Mike working on varying his releases and playing through contact and, and the growth that occurs week to week because of the different variables each opponent offers. Here's George Godsey on what he's seen in the growth from Mike Gasicki and the ability to vary those releases against different opponents and different coverages. Yeah, that's uh, the the releases. I think that's always evolving as a route runner um, because you go against different guys. You go against uh, or well, you're presented defensive lineman to get around when you're attached or in line. 
when you're in the slot, it may be a different player than a corner outside uh, playing you. So, uh, and then obviously the safeties are a little bit more physical um, when when matching the tight end. So all of those change based on the person you're going against. Um, that's what's so fun about this is each week there's new variables um, and it's a challenge. So uh, putting those guys in those positions during the week, making sure that they execute the techniques that we think will help them. Um, and Mike's done a good job of carrying that to the game. I think it's, uh, it's a little bit easier to draw on the paper and get to the back pylon, but when he's avoiding a guy – uh, along with the rush getting to, to fits there on that throw that you were talking about and to high point it, there's, there's a lot of um, individual technique that we've worked on for that play to be successful. And it was a big play for us. And so there you have it. Another very, very meaty Tuesday episode here of the Drive Time Podcast. In the meantime, that's going to be my time. You all, please be sure to subscribe to the podcast on Apple Podcasts, on Spotify. Leave us a rating. Leave us a review. Go ahead and cast your Pro Bowl votes for the Miami Dolphins right now. Balloting is open. Give me a follow on Twitter. It's at Wingfield NFL. Follow the team at Miami Dolphins. The Fish Tank has a new episode out with David Cross. The Audible has a new episode out with the Landon Roberts. Obviously, Drive Time every day as well. And of course, MiamiDolphins.com. Until next time, fins up.